the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Change makers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Many American children experience complex trauma resulting from abuse, neglect, catastrophic illness, or other adversity. Traumatic experiences can initiate emotions and physical reactions that can persist long after the event. Today's guest, Dr. Donna Bevan Lee, knows firsthand the devastating impact of childhood trauma. She suffered through years of abuse that had profound and lasting consequences. Dr. Bevan Lee joins us today to discuss how we can discharge childhood trauma to develop freedom as an adult. Dr. Bevan Lee is a psychotherapist whose flagship program, The Legacy Workshop, has helped thousands of survivors and is the basis of the methods in her book, Iron Legacy, Childhood Trauma, and Adult Transformation. Welcome, Donna. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, Donna, I want to start off by talking about your childhood. You grew up in a Mormon household. Can you tell us about your family? Uh, yes, I can. I'm, I'm older, so I was born in 1950, and it was a little different then than it is now. But my father was, he grew up on a reservation out west, and he fancied himself a rodeo cowboy and wanted to be a rodeo cowboy all of his life. My mother was a, you know, a direct descendant of the Mormon pioneers, and they got together and there we were. But one of the one of the things about my father was that growing up on the reservation, there weren't any real uh, law enforcement there, so it was kind of a free for all. And so when he had us, when they had us kids, it was a free-for-all when they would, you know, when we would get, uh, when we acted our age. So when we were act, busy acting our age and it didn't fit with his idea about how we should behave, it got pretty rough. My mother, on the other hand, was, you know, a dutiful Mormon wife who, you know, was afraid. She was afraid and she was in pain most of the time. And, and you know, without getting into any extreme uh, situations. Um, I can say that that experience growing up Mormon in, you know, little Mormon enclaves all over the place because we moved a lot because uh, my father was uh, following rodeos. We were always like the what you would imagine 
little Mormon kids looking like, clean as a whistle, uh, little, you know, blonde hair, blue eyed, dutiful, obedient little kids. And we did our best. But when I, you know, I was the oldest, so I got it the worst. And uh, that led me into a situation where I was forced to go to counseling in order to stay in college because I was out of control. And that going into counseling was the first time I'd ever heard of that. Like, what is that? But that's what I was forced to do. And while I was in counseling, that's when I realized that this isn't the way we did things, the way that he, you know, took care of the situation. That wasn't good for us. And I changed majors and went into psychology. Donna, when you were a child, did this mm-hmm. seem normal to you? Did, did you just think that this is what took place in everyone's household? I did because we were isolated all of the time. So I didn't really have anything to, to look at, you know, to, right. to say, oh, this isn't normal because yeah. I thought it was. Did you think anyone outside of the home, looking back now, do, do, do you think anyone knew what was going on there? I know that people knew what was going on now. My aunts told me that they, they begged my mother to come back to Utah. And my grandparents tried to get her to move in with them and leave him. But she wouldn't do that because she felt like this was her duty and this was her lot in life. There was a really wonderful woman who, uh, when I was in high school, I was a friend of her daughter, and she was a nurse. And she used to be just so kind to me. And I never quite understood that until later when I realized that she knew what was going on because I had welts all over my legs one day. Well, you said it was a different time back then. How much do you think played into that with with people, outsiders, not getting involved in what took place in a home? That's what we were told. It's like everybody, you know, stayed in their own environment. Uh, We didn't, quote unquote, uh, air our dirty laundry. And kids, they, you know, once once the uh, school counselor asked me why I was acting out so much at school, because I was a straight A student, but... I was a problem child, and I finally, he told me I could tell him anything and that it would stay between us. So I told him what was going on, and that day when I got home, he'd called my father and told him. And so it was a brutal, brutal afternoon. We'll mm-hmm. just say that. Donna, was there ever a time when you were still in that home that the abuse would stop? No, not till I left. And what about your siblings? Did they go through the same thing that you did? Siblings of people who are being abused. They, they're going through it in the same way that the, the one who's being abused, they, they experience the same reality. So they are terrified, too. They're in pain, too. They're afraid. They're very afraid. And they also have survivor guilt. So even if they weren't, you know, in a way, I, I always feel like I probably was the lucky one because I got it really bad. But when, by the time I got out of the house and realized that that wasn't okay, I had something that I could, con, you know, that was concrete that said, that's not okay. And this is what happened to me. And I could talk about it in concrete terms. My siblings that, that did not experience this, um, they just felt guilty. They, they felt like they should have stopped it or they could have done something or if they would have been more perfect or, you know, whatever it was. And so they've had a bigger struggle than I did. What did you experience as you got older, how did this shape who you became? Well, um, like I said, I was 
I was in distress. I used, uh, you know, I used drugs, alcohol, everything that young people do to try and not have the feelings I was having. And eventually, because, you know, for whatever reason, I can't tolerate. I was always, everyone knew that I was a cheap drunk because I couldn't tolerate the drug. And so I stopped drinking at an early age. And that's when it really hit me that I was pretty broken from growing up in that environment, that I wasn't really capable of being in relationships, that I wasn't, you know, I thought I was already a therapist. And I thought, what am I doing being Mm -hmm. a therapist when I can't even get my own life together? And, And, you know, things started to become more clear to me. And that's when... I realized that, okay, all this, you know, we we had the DSM, the first DSM, or, okay, we come in, you know, people come in, they they get diagnosed with depression or bipolar. At that time, it was called manic depression or whatever. And then we treat the symptoms. And I thought, that is so not right. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought, okay, we need to treat the symptoms, but once the symptoms are managed, we need to go find out why this happened to people. And since then, all of the research has shown that almost every diagnosis in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual can be traced back to childhood trauma. Now, I knew that at 27. It, you know, it hit me then, and that's when I started doing the work I do, I do now. But now there is empirical evidence that children's brains are negatively impacted by childhood trauma abandonment and abuse and neglect. And so, you know, that's such an important note because we've been talking about abuse that you sustained as a child, but we all go through different types of traumas. And and I would think that, you know, if you were teased as as a child or something that it just has a, a lasting impact on forming the adult you become, it's that inner child that's wounded. And do you think a lot of times we don't want to do that deep work because we're afraid of what we might uncover. Yeah. Almost everybody has said that to me. You know, when they when they would say, go into my legacy workshop, I, and they'd say, oh, I'm so afraid. I'm so nervous about doing this. I'm so afraid. And I'd say, you've already been through what you're going to talk about. You're all, you've already been through what you're you're going to be dealing with so you've gone through the hard part already and of course you're afraid because you were always afraid and now we're going to talk about the things that you are afraid of and you know my goal in working with people whether it's in legacy workshop or whether it's people who are reading my book and that is to help them get out of their wounded child ego state we call that or adapted adult child ego state where you know, they can't act their age anymore. You know, mm-hmm. it's helpful when, if you're 40 years old, if you act like a 40-year-old. Right. And so, you know, it's like if you have those kinds of wounds, of course you're going to be afraid to go in there, walk in there, embrace those demons. But when you do, all of a sudden you realize, oh, well, I'm acting like an adult now. Right. I don't need to be scared all the time. Donna, is it a fair statement to make... And I'll use myself for for an example. So two years before I was born, my 14-year-old brother passed away. And so that was a trauma my family experienced, my parents and my sister. And then I was Mm -hmm. born. Even Mm -hmm. though I can look back and say, well, I didn't lose my brother, 
but I was still part of that trauma, correct? And that could have wounded me in some way. And I bring this up because someone might be saying to themselves, well, I never experienced anything directly, but can that family trauma have the same impact? You know, that you're absolutely right. It ha- in fact, it has a bigger impact, and I'll tell you why. Is that your mother was in deep grief when you were in her womb and when you were born. And so all of that emotional energy and, you know, emotions just are human energy, right? You've, that's what motivates us, our emotions. And so if you have a parent, if you're in a womb of somebody who's in that kind of grief, yes, indeed, you are going to be impacted in a big way because all those feelings that your mother is having, pain, the suffering, the grief are all going into your body. And so that's why it's important for anyone who wants to do the deep work to not only look at mm-hmm. their life, but to look at yeah. what's happened within that Our family. family. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, sometimes, like I said, if you have physical abuse or sexual abuse, it's good concrete evidence that there was abuse. But if you are abandoned, let's say you're abandoned because your mother or your father had long-term illness, you were abandoned. And so, and you might have been moved into a position where you were also a parent, a little parent of the parent. Mm-hmm. And so that impacts and in, interferes with your own development. And that's what causes a person to become then, you know, what we call adapted adult child. Look like, you know, you're 13 and you're already doing adult things and listening to your parents' sadness and pain and all that kind of deal. It impacts your brain's development. We understand the importance of looking back and and getting an understanding of of what we've gone through in our Uh past. And once we have that understanding, how do we break the cycle? How do we heal from this? Well, you know, and that's what that's always been one of my concerns about some of the treatment, quote unquote, uh, that people get is that they talk about it and they talk about it and talk about it. What I say till the cows come home and they still don't feel better. And that's because they haven't had the opportunity or the guidance to go through the emotional energy that they pick up from their parents, for instance. So you were born, and when your mother was in deep and profound grief, your whole family still was. Because you you lose a child, you don't get over that. If you just accommodate it somehow, but it takes a long, long time. So your mother's in deep and profound grief. So when you come out of the womb, you've got all that grief, that sadness, the pain, whatever else your mother was feeling. You've got it like on you, literally on you because it's emotional energy. So you start to do, say, work around that and you realize that, oh, you know, this is what happened in my family and this is how it is. And you talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. But at some point, you need to be able to get rid of that emotional energy that didn't belong to you in the first place. Because you're right. You didn't know this person. He wasn't in your life. He was in your family's life, but he wasn't in your personal life. And so you didn't feel all that grief when he left because you never had him to start with. So once you are able to unload, what I call unload, all that emotional energy, all that pain, that sadness that you're carrying around, for your mother and probably your father, maybe some of your sister too. It's like once you're able to unload that and you don't have that anymore, you feel free. 
It really gives you an understanding, Donna, of why you do the things you do, because I became a people pleaser and overachiever because I didn't want to rock the boat. And so when you really start to unravel Mm -hmm. where you've been and and your family's history, you're Mm -hmm. right. That's the beginning of healing. And and unfortunately, so many people just mask it with a pill. That's right. They mask it or they deal with the, you know, they, they treat the symptoms. So that they don't have all that symptomatology anymore. So maybe they don't feel so bad or whatever, but then they're just stuck in their life and they can't move through it. Mm-hmm. And they always know that something's in the way. How long, Donna, did it take for you to be able to trust someone and, and have a relationship? Well, um, it took me many years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'd i say that um, probably when I was in my mid-30s, when I decided that I wasn't dangerous in making that decision, right? Well, it's a lot to overcome, Donna, because when you're, I mean, when you're abused the way you were, or if someone is just bullied or called names or whatever it may be that you've gone through, you you, you tend to tell yourself, this is what you deserve. You've done something wrong. Uh You're not a good person. And so Uh to allow yourself to be loved is is a major step in someone's life after you've been through mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. It is. And you're right. You know, you think, well, this is what I deserve. I don't deserve anything else. I'm a piece of crap that people have to walk around on a on the sidewalk, right? But, you know, when people ask me when they when they come to me and they say, how long is this going to take? And I say, well, you got to get up and do something every day. You might as well do something that will help you in the long run. And if it takes a year or two years or three years, at some point you will get there if you stick with it. And I've seen miraculous, I mean, people change and grow in ways that I could, I never would have believed. The book is Iron Legacy, Childhood Trauma and Adult Transformation. Donna, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and your work? They can go to my website at DonnaBevanLee.com. Donna, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you feel lost on your journey to health and happiness? Then let us guide you on your path. Personalized actions towards health. Your path is a series of choices you act on every day. We guide you on a personalized journey of dietary, exercise, genetic, supplement, and lifestyle choices that lead you to optimal health and happiness. Often taking the road less traveled leads to liberation. Your path is personal. Your journey, like you, is unique. Take action today. Head to bestpathforme.com. Again, that's bestpathforme.com. An invitation to appear on a radio show or podcast provides you with the opportunity to showcase your knowledge while promoting yourself, your products, and your business. It can elevate you as an expert, boosting your reputation, but only if you make a good impression. If you want to stand out as a great guest who is remembered, celebrated, and gets invited back, you need to give the host and listeners what they want while communicating with confidence and charisma. Hi, this is Joan Herman. After years on air, I can tell within minutes if a conversation will be stimulating or not. Being prepared with a compelling message makes all the difference. In my training program, it your time to shine. I provide valuable information that will empower you to make the most of any media appearance. You work hard to get the booking, so don't waste the opportunity because of a lack of skills or preparation. To learn more, visit joanherman.com slash media training. That's joanherman.com slash media training. 
live a happy, productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach on Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining us today is Doreen Steenland, an ICF certified coach who uses neuroscience and coaching to harness the power of our brains. As a transformational neuro coach, Doreen changes brains one thought at a time. Doreen is the founder of Living Full Life Coaching. She's here today to discuss anxiety and the brain. Welcome, Doreen. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Joan, for having me. It's a delight to be here. Doreen, we hear so much about anxiety in our world today, and people are always saying, oh my goodness, I'm so anxious. So can you describe what is going on in our brain when we begin to feel anxious? Sure. Yeah. Um, So your brain is wired to protect you and keep you safe. And what happens in the brain is um, it's your brain is receiving all of this stimuli um, from the internal world and the external world. And it's really interpreting it, this safe or is this a threat? So in the world today, there is so much uh, stimuli that is distracting us and keeping us in this uh, survival mode, really, which is just a dysregulation of our nervous system. And what happens is people are living in this stress mode all the time. And, and when I say stress, they're seeing life as threatening. They are seeing life troublesome. So what happens is the nervous system responds to that. And as a result, people's baseline of uh, tolerance for stress has really gone up. It's, it's become an issue where everything is coming from a state of reactivity. We're living in that all the time because we're, we're constantly being stressed. Correct. And we're, we were never meant to live there long term. We were meant to visit there to keep us safe. So it has its purpose. We need this part of our brain. But what happens is we are overusing some of the, the pathways in our brain. Some of the circuitry is being overused. And when we overuse that circuitry, it becomes widened and it becomes really our go-to response. So Doreen, what do you recommend then that we do to eliminate this process that's continually taking place? We need to slow down a little in order to speed up. And and. I know that we've all heard that before, but what happens is whenever our demands exceed our resources, we go into this state of reactivity. And if you think about how the constant attention of our phones, our media, um, the news broadcast, everyone has full access to us 24-7. We're walking around with computers in our hands, and that increases our our reactivity and puts us into a combative state. So I would say one thing that we can do is really limit our time on our computer, switch tasking back and forth between activities and being constantly stimulated, slowing down and giving ourselves space to choose differently. We get to choose which path we're going to take. Are we going to get to go to a thrive pathway, which really includes creativity and love and innovation and all of these beautiful things that the brain has to offer us? Or do we want to react from the survival part of our brain where things are really on autopilot? Doreen, you recently wrote a book. Can you tell us about the title and why it's so important to you? 
Yeah, the title is called Transform Your Brain One Thought at a Time, Stress Patterns, Anxiety, and Overthinking Rewired. And this is so important to me because this was part of my life. And for 30 years, I lived in a state of reactivity. I lived being tossed to and fro by every new um, opinion and thought. And what happens is that lacks stability. And over time, your nervous system can no longer function like that. And for many of us, we get far by our autopilot reactions, right? We can get far in the world. But what was missing for me was this underlying happiness. You know, I had everything going for me. I was successful. I had a great income, a great husband, a great house, all of the things that are supposed to make you happy. And yet there was this happiness that was missing in my personal life. And what what it was really was that the patterns I was choosing to solve problems with and address life with on a daily basis were no longer serving me. They were not helping me um, to reach the happiness and joy and peace that I was really longing for. And when, when I discovered that it really has to do with which part of our brain that we are using on a regular basis, I was like, I have to share this with the world. And what you just described, that's the way so many people are living. And so if you would like to learn more about Doreen and her work, you can visit livingfulllifecoaching.com. And as always, to hear more from Doreen, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Doreen Steenland. Doreen, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.